Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again for the Member Engagement Show. So excited for today's episode because with me is Bruce Rosenthal, who is a strategic advisor and consultant to associations and not-for-profit organizations to help them advance corporate partnerships and sponsorship programs, identify strategies to increase revenue and member value, create added value for each corporate partner, develop corporate partnership and sponsorship program implementation plans, And Bruce is just a brilliant advisor in my so humble opinion, just in general for anyone who's looking to increase revenue, add value for your members, really all around smart guy when it comes to how you think about sponsorship and partnership. So Bruce, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Beth. Let's start out just with how have sponsorships really changed since the pandemic? You know, Beth, I think really sponsorships have changed somewhat during the pandemic, but but a lot of the changes that I have seen, especially back uh, before I started consulting, so seven, eight, ten years ago, when I was working at a large national association managing a sponsorship program, I was beginning, beginning to see changes at that point. So companies that were our top, top sponsors, and I'd say, wow, you get the biggest exhibit booth front and center in the exhibit hall, and they said, you know, that really is not going to help us that much. That really takes our time away from other opportunities to meet with your members during the conference. Or I would offer banner ads as part of the sponsorship to companies eight, 10 years ago. And they would say, well, we really don't need all those banner ads. Everybody knows who we are. We've been a top sponsor for, for many, many years. So I think what the pandemic did, it just really accelerated those sorts of trends so that when associations through no fault of their own due, the, due to the pandemic started starting two and a half years ago, had to cancel those conventions and tell those sponsors, well, come back next year or, or we'll refund your money and regroup after the pandemic. I think when those conventions and expos were canceled, some of those companies just took that as kind of their ticket out to tiptoe out the door and say, we're going to look at other opportunities. And companies couldn't stop marketing for two, two and a half years during the pandemic. So so during that time, companies uh, really continued down the path that they'd been looking at for the previous decade or so. How do we best reach members? How do we best educate members? What are the different ways we can do that? And again, the, but the, the, the pandemic really accelerated that. And I think it was a wake-up call for a lot of us, uh, the companies as well as associations, that we need to look at sponsorships in a new way. Agreed, agreed. And I think, you know, the question I hear a lot is, or even the comment I hear a lot is, do we, I can't wait for things to return to normal. I don't think that they're going to get that normal they're hoping for, because I don't really see those companies saying, oh, you know what, we're just going to go back to the old way where we rely on somebody else. Correct. And yeah, I, I yeah, when I hear about the going back to normal, as you said, Beth, I don't think it's going to happen. But and I certainly hope it does not happen because uh, sponsorships were not maximizing their their revenue potential or their value to members years ago. 
and there was a lot of room for improvement. So I don't think we really want to go back to something that wasn't working that well. And, and, and I saw, again, really over the past decade, long pre-pandemic, associations saying the revenue from sponsorships was dwindling, companies were looking for more value as sponsors. So as you said, Beth, now that, now that we are able to meet in person, um, I don't see a lot of companies rushing back, and I, I'm not hearing from associations that, oh, now we're back in person and we're reaching out to these companies from two, two and a half years ago and saying, come on back. And the companies are like, we've kind of moved on. And I think one of the main reasons is that aside from the fact companies have moved on and found other marketing channels, is companies market year round. And since most of our, many of our association sponsorships over the years, over the decades have been a around a two, three, four day conference once or twice a year, um, that doesn't really meet the, the the marketing goals of companies. So when associations call companies and say, wow, we got this, you know, our big conference coming up uh, in six months and companies are like, well, the, the three day conference is a blip on the screen of the full year. We need to find some more uh, year round value or at least value at various touch points during the year. So Again, I think the the pandemic is a wake up call not to just go back to the way it was or the way we had structured things before with the gold, silver, bronze perspectives for the conference, but to take this opportunity to look at new ways of adding value for sponsors as well as members. I mean, I think that we've needed to do that for years and years and years. Like you said, this has been a long time coming. The pandemic just sort of sped it up. And I think that diversification is incredibly important no matter who you are. And I think that over the pandemic, the corporations have had to diversify how they handle this. And what do you think associations really need to do to dig in and meet these new needs? I think we need to understand what the the corporation's needs are. Um, And really, I I often use restaurant or catering examples. And in the same way, if we were going to reposition our restaurant post-pandemic, We'd look around. Where are customers going? Where are, are, are more people interested in carryout? Or do we need to expand our outdoor dining? All the things we see restaurants doing now post-pandemic. So I think we need to look at, at the landscape of um, what corporations have been doing the last two years. And uh, and again, they, they've needed to continue marketing. Some of them, they, they still had their sales goals. Some of them had new products and services tied to the pandemic and meeting the needs of of the association's members, their customers, and and the companies have been getting the word out in a whole range of ways. And, you know, we used to think of associations, maybe some of us still do think of associations as kind of sole source. The association is the place that members go, the only way the companies can reach members. But what companies have found, especially the last couple of years, uh, when those conference and expo opportunities weren't there, companies went to social media and created their own lead lists. And they did webinars, educational webinars on Zoom. Now that everybody's using Zoom, whether we all like it or not, we easily know how to log in and usually know how to mute and unmute ourselves and uh, participate in the chat. So companies have said, wow, the audience is there 24-7. We can do our own educational webinars. We can produce our own content. We can beef up our corporate website and put in not sales pitches or, or online catalogs, but we can use our website for educational content, videos, case studies. And then the companies can track all those leads and track all that traffic, who goes to their webinars, who goes to their website. And I'm also talking to more and more companies that are saying they're going to the for-profit trade publications that exist in almost every association space or the for-profit webinar producers. Why? Because they get things like lead lists. 
um, list of people who attended the webinar. So based on that background, that's where many companies are now. How can associations meet that need? How can associates, so the one thing from those examples, that's year round, that's not three days during the conference. So for associations to say, if that's where our corporate partners or former corporate partners are now, how can we take advantage of that? How can we, incorp- we as an association incorporate those companies into our association's webinars and then maybe provide them with the lead list or post some of the corporate partners' case studies, videos on our association website or push them out with association social media and e-newsletters and do it as a partnership. So I think the best way to really meet the needs of companies is to, first of all, look and see where are those companies now and then have a conversation with each of those top tier corporate partners and ask them how they would like to best work with the association moving forward. Well, I think you bring up an important point there. It's not about pitching to them. It's about asking them what they want and then turning the product that you're providing that sponsor back around to show why it meets that need. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think one reason for that, Beth, is that most association expenditures are marketing expenditures. It is not philanthropy. It is not a gift. If the main value proposition that associations have in many cases put out there is that if your company becomes a sponsor, our members will be eternally grateful and give you new business, uh, the companies are realizing that doesn't quite work, that they need more, more value than that. So um, I think finding ways to work with companies and offer things other than signage, visibility, recognition, and a shout out from the podium, I often compare a sponsorship to a marketing agency relationship. So if a company goes to their marketing agency and says, we're getting ready to launch a new product, the marketing agency would say, let's have an hour and a half conversation. We want to learn all about the product, why you created it who your competition is for the product, who you think the ideal audience is for the product. And then we as a marketing agency will craft a customized marketing initiative within your budget to achieve your ROI based on your company's needs. That's very different than an association saying we have platinum, gold, silver, bronze sponsorships fit into one of the categories and we'll check off the box. You're good to go. To that end, do you think that there are some internal issues at associations that need change to actually yield those kind of results that partners are looking for now? I think so. This is a different way of relating to companies, to really look at companies as partners and as partners to meet the needs of members, because we're really talking about the same audience. The company's customers or clients and the association's members are the same entities, from the member standpoint, you know, I think what we've found in recent years, people will go for, for go look for information wherever they can best find information. And they often start with that thing called Google. And if they can find a good independent source of reliable information on Google, and that might be information from an association or from the company or from another entity. So I think, again, recognizing that's the audience, that's, that's the landscape out there. So that's a different sort of mindset than the traditional association mindset of let's sign them up as sponsors, let's sign them up as members, and, and we're good to go. So I think almost looking at the association like a business, and businesses partner with a lot of different sorts of entities, it's still always within the context of the not-for-profit mission of the association and the needs of its members. So very often when I do almost all of my presentations, I start off by saying everything we talk about 
with partnerships and sponsorships is in the context of the mission and the needs of the members. And it is looking at other, it's really looking at sponsorships as what I call an overarching goal. So when we think about other association programs, probably the best one is the education program, the conference program. That's usually an all hands on deck. Everybody on staff has some sort of role during the association's conference. You're either presenting a session or working with a networking group, or you're in charge of registration, or you're in charge of working with the convention center, or you're setting up the expo and selling exhibit booths. Almost everybody on staff has a role. And I think we can create sponsorship programs where everybody on staff also has a role. So you're either in charge of selling and servicing sponsorships, or you're working on education or webinar programming for the sponsors, or you're helping sponsors get the most out of the convention, or you're helping the sponsors uh, in in a networking meeting with the association's board. Um, Or if you're in the data department at the association, you could be putting data together for partners on who are our members and, and is there a segment of our members that is of most interest to your company. So I think when we can create a culture around corporate sponsorships within associations like we do with education and conference programs where everybody has a role, I think we will be more successful in meeting the needs of sponsors as well as members. Agreed, because it can be kind of lonely trying to sell those sponsorships if no one else is involved. And that kind of leads into the next question about how can you bring corporate partners and sponsors into the fold so that they don't feel like they're they're just to sell stuff. They feel like they're true members. And that really involves everybody in the organization treating them that way and helping with bringing them into the fold. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's almost like a, a family gathering. And if, if a couple members of the family aren't getting along and talking to each other, it becomes really apparent about a half hour into the gathering is why is Uncle Harry not talking to Mary? And what's going on between those two? Because I've had I've companies- I've been to my family gatherings, I can tell. Just kidding. <laughs> But I've seen instances within associations where we've tried to create that culture, but it hasn't been completely holistic. And I've had corporate partners come to me when I've been on the association staff, and they've said to me, gee, why isn't Mary, you know, why is she giving me the cold shoulder when I saw her earlier? And I talked to Mary, and she's like, well, yeah, those corporate partners just sell stuff. We really don't see what the value is for members, and I'm in charge of our Whatever program, I don't have to deal with sponsors. That's your job, Bruce. You deal with the sponsors. So sponsors pick up on that, and sponsors also pick up on what association the, the impression that associations give them that the company is a checkbook or an ATM. And I think you know when when we look at some of our sponsorship prospectuses and some of the marketing information we put out there about sponsorships, it often says that it says our company needs money to meet the needs of members. Our association needs money to lower our registration fees. Our association needs money to uh, reduce membership dues. Well, again, using my restaurant analogy, if I had a restaurant and I wasn't making a profit and I said, oh, I have an idea. I'm just going to raise all the prices 20%. That'll bring me more money. That's (laughs) not going to work. And it's also not the customer perspective. So when associations, and we often do this, will say, oh, I worked with an association years ago that did this. They, they put together the, the annual association budget. They looked at what the shortfall was in revenue, and they said, that number is how much we want to bring in sponsorships. It had nothing to do with the marketplace, whether companies were going to see that as value. It was just that's how much money the association needed. That, that seems to me like that's just the starting point of, okay, we need this much money. What 
additional value can we provide to partners to get it as opposed to just, we need this much money, give it to us. With that in mind, you know, companies sell the products. Members need the products. Mm-hmm. Companies need the customers. But do members truly need an association? You know, What do associations bring to the table that makes them a necessity? Well, associations certainly, I mean, they have the, the independence, the credibility, the name recognition to be that connector, to be that aggregator. However, where some of the sponsor companies are looking at it, where do where do those companies see the value? And if they are being treated like an ATM or they're being told, well, you can sponsor the webinar and we'll put your company name on the last slide, uh, but you can't be part of the faculty, I don't think that's meeting the needs of the members or the companies. So the more effective approach, I believe, is if the companies really are brought in as partners, as content providers, not selling, but truly educating their members in tandem with the association. You know, there have been some surveys that have come out the last couple of years, and I think this is partly during the pandemic and also pre-pandemic. Most associations do not have the time, money, or expertise to meet the needs of all of their members all of the time. And I think especially during the pandemic, when members have new needs or the members' businesses have been shut down and need to reopen and their HR issues and their whole range of new issues on top of all of the issues that, that had existed before, companies have answers to many of those challenges that members face. I was at a uh, kind of a, a corporate partner roundtable discussion with an association client a few weeks ago, and they were going around the table. It was some corporate partners around the table as well as some of the association board members. And the question was, what are members' biggest pain points? If you had closed your eyes as folks answered the question, you would not have known if the companies or the board members were answering the question because they all identified members' pain points exactly the same. So the only difference, and I think it's really somewhat nuanced, the association is, of course, set up as a not-for-profit. That's a tax status, not a business model. And the companies do have a product to sell. But then, you know, back to the associations, the associations have a product to sell also. They're selling webinar registrations, they're selling memberships, they're selling conference registrations. So there's not a lot of difference between the two from the standpoint of the members. And I believe members will go to wherever they can get good information. And if the members can get that information from the corporate partner website or from a corporate partner webinar, they will go there. If they can get the information from the association, they will go there. So why not, from the association standpoint, truly partner with those companies, bring them inside the tent, aggregate the information, put it all together under the association's umbrella, and that becomes true member value and improves member retention. So there's a lot of potential power there, though, when associations and corporations actually align to solve those member problems. And I, again, I think that's a member service. I think that makes it easier for members. Um, so members don't have to hunt around for the right information. And and I think you know, by bringing in that kind of corporate education, corporate case studies, all of that onto the association's platform, the association's website, um, that makes it easier for members. Then the association does become, back to your question a few minutes ago, that's what is the value of the association. That increases the value of the association for members. And, and that's a recruitment and retention, membership recruitment and retention opportunity. Okay, I think that a great example of that is ASAE's demo days. And that I know that came from a need that 
was discovered during the pandemic when the online exhibit halls just weren't working. And Reggie came up with this idea for doing these demo days. And they're such a great service to both the corporate side and the members because the members want to see these demos without being, you know, harassed for hours on end weekly by a bunch of different companies emailing going, call me, call me, call me, call me, call me. And as corporations, corporates want to get out there with the demos. And this is a great way to do both. And it's, it shows members find it a great service sponsors and partners of ASAE find it a great service. It's a win for everybody. Absolutely. And uh, so again, so associations do have the credibility, a wealth of information, expertise, and solutions, and they're the voice of the, the trade or the profession, um, but they don't have all the information and, and the information keeps expanding and changing. So companies have a lot of the information and the good news is for associations by bringing companies into the tent, by providing some of the companies, case studies, expertise, interpretations of federal regulations, uh, bringing that onto the association's platform and charging the companies as corporate partners um, for the opportunity to have that outreach to members. You recently did a sponsorship engagement study, and I know it had a few eye-opening results. Do you want to talk a little bit about the ones that stood out most to you? Sure. This was a study, um, first of its kind, I believe, survey of corporate sponsors. So we, we, have a, we had a lot of input from associations on what their needs were and, and what's changing, especially during the pandemic. But, and we had a lot of anecdotal information from sponsors, but we had not really had survey data from sponsors. So the, the Partnership Professionals Network, a, a networking group that I convene, got together with Dynamic Benchmarking, a company that does a lot of benchmarking surveying for associations. So late last year, we went out and, and contacted a few dozen associations and said, would you send the survey out to your sponsors? And a few of the findings I found really interesting and useful because I think they are fixable. We asked companies if they were achieving their sponsorship objectives. And I was surprised that only 21% said they are achieving their sponsorship objectives most of the time. And 70% said some of the time. And then the next finding was that when we asked the companies, well, do you think the association understands your goals? Why you're sponsoring? What your marketing goals are? And Again, this 21% of the companies said, only 21% said that most of the associations understand their goals. And 65% said, well, some of the associations understand our goals. So we're, we're bringing in these companies and asking them whether it's a $10,000 sponsorship for, for the name badge language of the conference or a $100,000 year-long sponsorship. And the associations don't even know why the companies are sponsoring. And the third part of it um, was we said, well, are the associations asking your company for your feedback as a sponsor? And only 30% said yes. So for the majority of companies, they're saying that they're not achieving their goals. Uh, The association doesn't understand their goals. And the association isn't even asking them about their goals. And then kind of the thing that it was the big aha tying all those challenges together, all of those things, which I think are fixable by having conversations with companies. Then when we said to companies, so at the end of the day, how are you measuring the success of your sponsorship? And, and many of them said, we have an ROI model. We're determining return on investment. We're determining how many sales we get as a result of the sponsorship. 
So if association, if companies are not feeling like they're being, uh, that this is a business relationship, a marketing relationship, that they are truly partners, um, and then they're trying to measure results on an ROI, this is not a recipe for success. Um, but I thought the good news is uh, about these survey findings is th the solution is not a huge expense or a systemic change. It's more an attitude change on the part of associations to sit down with companies and say, tell me about your goals. What are your three biggest goals for the year? And let's come up with a customized year-long program to meet those goals. And when we achieve those goals, then you will hopefully have measurable success. So this is relatively fixable, but it is daunting that, that companies felt uh, to this extent that they were not being listened to and that their marketing goals were not being achieved. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy to me. Why would you not listen to what the needs are of the people you're trying to sell something to? It just doesn't compute. Um, I think you answered one, at least one answer to this question I'm about to ask, but maybe we can talk about a few of the other things that associations are doing that might hinder a new and productive relationship with the corporate sponsors. I think one of the, a couple of the ways that associations are challenged by meeting the needs of their sponsors is not always having the right folks on staff or with the right background or training to really have these conversations with companies. Because again, this is very much, uh, step one is really about reaching out and having the conversation, doing some research. Pre-pandemic, when I was doing some in-person uh, training, full-day trainings uh, on sponsorship best practices, and, and, and often halfway during the presentation, somebody would raise their hand, an association exec, and say, well, these all sound like great practices, but I can't get any companies to return my calls. And I'll say, well, how, how do your calls usually go with companies? And they said, well, we, we call companies and, and we leave a voicemail um, or we send an email and we say, well, we have our convention coming up in three months and we have gold, silver, bronze sponsorships to offer. Could you give me a call back? And I say, well, that's, that's why they're not returning your call. That's not a value proposition. If you were to actually do a little research and determine, you know, here are some member needs. So going back to it's always about members first, association's mission and, and needs of the members first. What do our members need? Identify some companies that have some solutions. They may be product solutions, but there's also some, some science and best practices behind those solutions. And the call companies and say, wow, our members really need information on you know, the best HR practices for opening up their offices post-pandemic. And I see that your company has some initiatives in that area. Can we talk? Those calls get returned, but that's a different type of, it's more of a business mindset. And again, understanding associations are not-for-profits, but, uh, but I believe they can still, within that not-for-profit tax status, uh, function more like a business or almost like a marketing agency. Um, but to have those conversations, and often the folks that are tasked with managing sponsorship programs, it, it's sometimes the exhibit booth person who's been told, now you're selling sponsorships, or the membership person who's been told, now you're in charge of sponsorships. And it's often not somebody really with marketing expertise or marketing agency expertise. So I think there are, again, opportunities for associations when there is a staff opening or an opportunity to expand a corporate partner program to um, you know, increase revenue, increase member value, to look at hiring a consultant or a staff person who has business and marketing expertise. And of course, that staff person still needs to understand the not-for-profit mission, but uh, I'd worked with an association a number of years ago, and they had an opening for a uh, director of corporate partnerships on staff. Uh, they ended up hiring somebody who was the sponsorship point person at one of their corporate partner companies. 
So that person not only understood the needs from the corporate partner standpoint, they also knew all the other corporate partners. So it was a great add-on to the association staff, and it was a corporate partner who had been at many of the association's meetings, had been at the association's office, definitely understood the mission of the association and the needs of its members, but it was looked, she was looking at sponsorships through the, that eye or that vision of having been a former corporate partner. So I think there is a lot to be gained by um, you know, looking at the expertise of staff and whether that can be expanded or tweaked a little bit to include folks with some marketing or business background. Agreed. I think that a lot of associations do themselves and their members a disservice by insisting on only hiring people from the association world or from the industry. I've seen some who are like, no, you cannot come be a marketer here unless you work in the industry. That doesn't equate marketing experience. Right. And I, again, I don't think it's an either or because many folks, right. even if they've worked at a marketing agency or with a corporate partner company, may have nonprofit experience in their background. They may be involved in community or faith based organizations um, and definitely have, you know, or have done fundraising for a community organization. So it's not an either or or a good bad situation. And if we look at it again from the standpoint, what do what would be most beneficial for members uh, the idea of bringing in somebody that can understand the needs of members and be able to have these sorts of uh, substantive conversations with companies and bring in companies at higher dollar levels as corporate partners is good for the members and the association. Uh, so I know we're running up against time here, and I want to get in this last question. What would you say to an association that claims that it just doesn't need any non-dues revenue? I think when an association says it doesn't need non-dues revenue, they may be thinking that they don't want to pursue non-dues revenue, especially sponsorship revenue from companies. Um, but I think that that all associations now, there is always a need to expand, improve um, new interactive technologies, new database technologies, new solutions for members, competition from other associations. So maybe the, the the starter question is, does your association need more revenue? And then where will that revenue come from? And I don't think there are too many associations now that are expecting a groundswell of new revenue from memberships, expos, advertising, banner ads, that sort of thing. So really, the um, I think that the biggest opportunity for revenue and content for members is through sponsorships. And, and I worked with a number of associations. It was one that I, I worked with a few years ago and they didn't have any year long sponsorship programs. It was all conference sponsorships. And, and we framed out a way to really position the association really like a resource and a marketing agency year long for companies. And we got ready to launch this new program. And that was two and a half years ago, right as the pandemic began. And our first thought was, is this going to work? Are we going to be able to transition into this new sponsorship program? However, in fact, by identifying, it was an association of nurses, and it was a company that had expertise in respiratory. The company, of course, did have a product around that, but they also had a huge range of expertise on how nurses could take care of patients with respiratory issues, which was, of course, a major challenge during the pandemic. So we actually, in the first 60 days of the pandemic transitioned this company from a $5,000 conference sponsor to a $50,000 year-long sponsor. And the company that was a couple, two and a half years ago, the company since renewed for the second year at $50,000, the third year at $70,000. So kind of doing the math, $170,000 over three years compared to $15,000, $18,000 over three years. 
so that's the revenue side of it. And of course, this is around, again, providing nurses with information on how their jobs can be made easier and providing better quality for the patients they care for around respiratory issues. So a win for everybody and a huge amount of additional revenue. And the other advantage of the corporate sponsor non-dues revenue is much of it is discretionary. That association, while it has some direct expenses for staffing and such against that revenue from that corporate sponsor, and, and they have several others in that fifty dollars to $70,000 category, much of that revenue can be used to fund other sorts of programs for which the association doesn't have enough revenue. And I'd worked for a large association a number of years ago where about a $20 million association, the largest and most needed program on staff was public policy. It was about 12, 14 staff people. The public policy department brought in zero revenue. They had nothing to sell. So to the extent that we could leverage not only our conference program and and Expo and others, but the extent to which we could bring in, we were bringing in $1.8 million from our sponsorship program, that paid for some of those lobbyists, that paid for some of those public policy analysts. So I think, again, Beth, I think to, to broaden that question, does the association need more revenue? Where is that going to come from? Maybe some bump in, in membership dues, registration fees, those sorts of things. But are there ways to increase that sponsorship program from things like $5,000 conference sponsorships to $50,000 year-long sponsorships um, as a solution to bringing in more revenue and providing more information for members? Yeah, and I think going into a potential recession here is an important time to recognize and act on that need. Correct. Thank you so much for joining us. I kind of feel like I want to have another conversation with you in about a year when we see where things stand. Maybe we can get you back on here in the not too distant future. That would be great. Well, like any marketing and and again, sponsorships are very much like marketing Uh, in, in any marketing initiative, things are constantly changing. The competition is changing and uh, many opportunities for associations to position themselves well, but th- that is going to require some new business models and new business practices. Um, because companies, I don't know too many companies that are cutting their marketing budgets. Um, when I hear from associations who say, well, that company dropped their sponsorship, they must be cutting their marketing budget. I, I suggest the association goes and talks to the company and says, Did you, are you really cutting your marketing budget? Or... More often than not, it's the company is looking for other ways to spend its marketing dollars. So the opportunities are there, and and it's really a way to increase revenue and member value by uh, partnering with uh, the right companies. I mean, you're not going to go out for any job these days and tell what used to be the most important thing, which was your typing speed, right? Correct. So, and this is along the same lines. You know, don't go don't go give them your typing speed and expect them to just come give you money. And that's not going to work anymore. Thanks. I'd be delighted to, to keep working on updates with you on this, Beth. And thanks yeah. to you and Hyrologic for, for offering this useful information for associations. Thank you. Um, that's why I came over here was to do stuff like that. And I enjoy This is my favorite part of the job. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, and thanks to everybody listening so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Member Engagement Show wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you here again soon. Thanks. Have a great day. <laughs>